Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. While Wall Street is focusing on how flat the market is and how FTX's former CEO is in handcuffs currently right now and is going to be sent to the United States, the market just remains all over the map currently right now. And that's what it boils down to right now. And Wall Street is focusing on these tiny events that are happening because there's just been rapid swings within the market today. Even though there is other news to be reporting, which we will cover in a second, but Wall Street continues to be illogical when it comes to what's happening and what they focus on at times, okay? Some news that we're going to cover in today. Nightscope has a huge announcement, potentially one of the biggest contracts they have ever signed. And what do these contracts have in them that makes it so big for their for this company, okay? United Airlines is also reporting news as well as they're buying at least 100 planes from Boeing and what plane we're looking at in the making for United Airlines. Then there's the inflation report just came out and apparently it ha- it's affecting the hotel and airline industry. And we might be able to prove that this article is a little bit wrong here based off what we've talked about in past articles. Okay. Then we got some news from the green energy market from nuclear fusion and some major breaking news that's happening in nuclear fusion that of course, Wall Street isn't talking about currently right now. Then we have some Other news that we got to be able to cover today about China as well. China is in the news as well as China has been been talking about tensions are rising between China and the United States based off the chips in the making. Oh, and I also forgot to mention too, we'll be talking a little bit about Ford as well in this podcast as well today. So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I am not a professional advisor and I legally cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape or form. You need to go talk to your own professional advisor as they'd understand your situation a lot better than I would. Please note that this podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing. And please also note as well that I do have a long-term position and it is, it is a small position in Nightscope. And with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Nightscope announces largest contract in company's history. Okay. Nightscope, a leading developer of autonomous security robots, today announces the largest single contract in the company's history alongside two new contracts from cities in New York and Georgia. The contracts consist of 12 autonomous security robots, two K1 blue towers, and two K1 call boxes. A key decision-making factor for the large client was the K5's unmatched capabilities that are not part of the current security program. The company will deploy the ASRs as part of an over all layered approach to give them unprecedented eyes level views and coverage. The ASRs will deter crime, criminal trespassing, and loitering, uh, loitering while providing their employees with greater personal safety. The two cities elected to expand their communication capabilities, selecting the K1 blue light emergency towers and emergency call boxes using cellular and satellite communications with solar power to provide additional safety in remote locations. 
The newer, more advanced wireless systems will save end users money on both infrastructure and hardware costs while improving reliable on modern communication network. Uh, continuing on, it says Nightscope continues to deliver on its promise to rapidly grow with the company and help make the United States of America the safest country in the world, said William Santana Lee, chairman and CEO at Nightscope. Today's announcements further supports my recent public address where we projected tripling our annualized revenue over the next 12 months. More and more people are discovering the, that the many valuable and far-reaching use cases for Nightscope ASR and emergency communication systems. Okay, this is this is crazy, okay? Now, remember, the largest contract that they had signed, at least machine-wise, was 97. and what, But most of that was like blue light towers and all that for that, that contract when it was signed. But it looks like one company has signed 16 K5s. 16, okay? That's that's kind of insane. This could be the largest contract in case of not based off machines, but based off how much would be coming from these contracts should all 16 of these robots get deployed, okay? This now adds more to the backlog. It takes pretty... It, it, the backlog keeps growing for Nightscope and Wall Street keeps ignoring it. In fact, Nightscope today, at the time of recording this podcast, hit as high as $2.10 a share on the announcement of this recent contract signing and Wall Street continues to ignore. Like I said, once they deploy these robots and it's in their system, that's at least a year or more that they're going to have these robots out and about, which means Nightscope could potentially see a lot of growth in the making soon. Obviously, they have to deploy the robots and they have to deploy the machines at the end of the day. But it's still a lot of growth is coming from Nightscope and Wall Street continues to ignore the company. But this is, contract is big because... They're going to get a lot of revenue in the making. You got to look at Nightscope as this. Nightscope is not only a technology company, but it's also a subscription-based company, okay? William Santana Lee has said in the past that Nightscope in general, like you have to look at it as we are like Tesla, but like a subscription-based model because they do pretty much rent out the robots on a subscription-based model, okay? So 16 robots for one company, that's a big deal. The sad thing is we don't know what company it is, okay? All we know is it's a large company that's wanting to expand its security, okay? So whatever company that is that has 16 robots patrolling an area, or maybe it's multiple areas and we just don't know which one it is because it doesn't say, but that's big, big news for Nightscope and Nightscope continues to grow and their backlog keeps growing. And so it's only a matter of time before you start seeing posts on their Instagram where they're going to be saying, shipping out more orders today. So... If you guys want to keep paying attention to see what Nightscope's doing, I would highly advise look checking their Instagram page. But as I have, always have to tell you all that this isn't financial advice because I'm a firm believer in the company. That's why I personally have invested in it. But I cannot legally give you financial advice. And this part on Nightscope is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. You need to do your own research, okay? So, but like I said, Nightscope is growing and it's fun to see what's happening to this company. And of course, Wall Street's not reporting it because that news is from Business Wire, by the way, not CNBC, okay? Continuing on with CNBC articles going forward. United Airlines is buying at least 100 Boeing Dreamliners to replace aging wide-body jets, okay? United Airlines, this is from CNBC, is buying 100 Boeing 787 Dreamliners with the option to purchase 100 more new jets that will fly its longest routes and replace less fuel-efficient decade-old planes. The massive order is a big boost for Boeing from one of its large customers and comes as United has returned to profitability after the pandemic travel slump. The carrier has, lated, has lately added more international flights thanks to, re, thanks to a rebound in demand. 
United said its order was the largest wide-body sale to a U.S. carrier. About 100 of the Dreamliners in order will replace Boeing 767s and some of Boeing 777s. Chicago-based United's entire wide-body fleet is made of Boeing planes. The Dreamliners are expected to be delivered between 2024 and 2032, United said. United said. United CEO Scott Kirby said it was easier to buy more Boeing 787s over rival Airbus competing A350 wide-body plane. Quote, in this world where they're trying to bring in 2,500 pilots a year and grow the airline, introducing a new fleet, fleet type slows that down dramatically, he said, on a call with reporters. And the truth is the 787 is better replacement for the 767 because it's smaller. United has 63 Dreamliners in its fleet at as of the end of last year, according to the security filing, and is scheduled to get 70 before 2023. Like other carriers, United has left without new jets for months when manufacturing flaws forced Boeing to pause deliveries until past summer. A shortfall of planes due to supply chain issues, the labor shortages have contributed to higher airfare this year. United first outlined its order pilots this fall, according to people familiar with the matter. In securities filing early Tuesday, the airline estimated its adjusted capital expenditures at around $9 billion next year and $11 billion in 2024. Following the order, executives didn't say exactly how the airline will pay for the planes. Well, good thing they're profitable because that means they're on the rebound. This is the second airline that's mentioned that they're in profitability currently right now. Okay. Southwest was the other one the other day. In fact, Southwest on December 7th, I think it was. So about Today's December 13th, so six days ago, we believe on this podcast, we've mentioned this as well, because what we're about ready to read is contradicting everything the CEOs are saying a little bit. But that's two airlines that are considered in profitability, okay? So how the how's United going to pay for the airline, how, how they're going to pay for the planes? Probably in cash, hopefully, if they're profitable right now, okay? But this is coming from the transportation sector from CNBC right now, okay? From CNBC, consumer prices for hotels and motels and other lounging dropped nearly 5% in October from, from October. Correction. Consumer prices for hotels, motels, and other lobbying dropped nearly 5% in November from October, according to the latest government inflation report, a sign that soaring travel demand has lost some momentum from the summer. Airlines also fell month to month by 0.6%. Still, the price index for hotels, motels, and lounging was 3% higher than it was a year ago, while airfares were 36% higher. The cool down comes in a year where the travel industry enjoyed major tailwinds after a turbulent couple of years due to COVID. Pent up travel demand even began to encroach on retail's momentum as pandemic shoppers turned to post pandemic travels. But the possible recession on the horizon, the price declines for travel in November could be a hamburger, could be har- harbinger, sorry, I started stuttering her, um, to a further drop in demand. The travel industry has been in demand taper since a summer surge. JetBlue said Tuesday in a regulatory filing that the strong last-minute demand it anticipated for December in its previous financial outlook has materialized below expectations. The airline's update outlook, which also includes the impact of Hurricane Nicole in November, sets its fourth quarter unit revenue growth at the low end of its prior guidance, with a 15% to 19% over 2019. United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby, however, said that, that travel demand and revenue remain strong while business travel has plateaued. Okay. And they're saying even as travel demand cools, revenue for the industry has remained stable due to higher prices. Okay. So they're saying here in this article, according to government research, that hotel prices and airfare decline as demand cools after summer surge. I don't believe that one bit. Okay. I believe a CEO of a company sees things a lot better than any government agency could in the long run. And honestly, okay, and one of the reasons I believe that is, well, 
you have a company like Southwest that just reinstated its dividend to its shareholders. And they just said on December 7th that there are they are profitable right now. And even United Airlines is saying that they're profitable. And United Airlines, like we just read, is buying 100 new planes in the making. It's hard to tell. But this, this is what it really boils down to. Who, who, who do you believe at the end of the day? Do you believe the CEO of a company who's trying to make a profit for his company? Or do you believe government data? Government data can be skewed in any way, shape, or form and how you want to look at things. Remember this too. We've actually talked about this in another podcast now that I'm thinking about it. We had mentioned, and I'd advise going to find it, where we talk about how in the retail sector right now, people are choosing experience. It might not be quoted exactly like this, but we, we made the statement that retail or because we've read the article that retail is looking less and less profitable this quarter in the making because people are choosing to travel more instead of buying things. Okay. And I had mentioned that podcast that people would choose experience over material things. Okay. I don't believe travel demand is down. I firmly believe it's going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to just be a continue profitable area in the making because people want to travel right now. Okay. Whether or not, does government agencies want to believe at the end of the day? Their choice, but they can skew things home whenever they want to look at the numbers in order to determine what to do next. So continuing on now, speaking of potential government agencies, because this ties in with yesterday's podcast about ExxonMobil, because the government agencies were complaining that oil companies were not doing enough on green energy currently, okay? says here from the clean energy from CNBC, nuclear fusion gets past a major milestone, generating more energy than used to create the reaction. On Tuesday, the head department of energy and other federal scientific leaders announced that a fusion reaction run at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California achieved net energy, meaning that the reaction generated more energy than the put in put in to initiate the reaction. It is the first time humankind has achieved this landmark. Fusion in the way that the sun makes power by recreating a useful fusion reaction here on Earth has eluded scientists for decades. Achieving net positive energy paves the way for fusion to move from a lab science to, on, to a usable energy source. Although large-scale uh, commercialization of fusion could still be decades away. Fusion in particular attractive given the increasing urgency of climate change because it can be commercialized at scale. It produces no carbon emissions, nor does it produce the long-lasting nuclear waste associated with nuclear fusion, which is the type of nuclear energy used to make energy today. Quote, Monday, December 5th, 2022, was an important day in science, Jill, the National Nuclear Security Administration administration, said at a press conference announcing the news on Tuesday in Washington, D.C. Reaching ignition in a controlled fusion experiment is an achievement that has come after more than 60 years of global research, deployment, engineering, and experimentation. Reaching ignition means that fusion experimental pr produces more energy from fusion than the laser energy that used to drive the reaction. Since the experiment, the team has been an analyzing data to be able to make the official announcement. Quote, this is important. Earlier results were recorded, but not yet producing more energy out then was put in Andrew Holland, the CEO of industry trade group, the fusion industry association told CNBC for the first time on earth, scientists have confirmed a fusion energy experiment released more power than it took to initiate proving the physical basics for fusion energy. This will lead fusion to be safer and sustainable energy in the near future. Okay. Now I'm not going to get into any more details on this article currently right now, but I will mention this with this article. Okay. It says as of right now, there are 90 nuclear power reactors currently operating 
in the United States currently right now that do that employ nuclear fission. And the other thing too, is there is more money going into this. I think, I think if I remember reading correctly in this article, it said that there's $5 billion that's gone into it so far. Can't find it on here, but I do remember reading about it before post before starting to talk about on this podcast today. Uh, Yeah, I'm not seeing it currently right now. If I find it, I, I will make sure I mention it. But I mean, nuclear energy is, it, it's growing. It, it is. And this is, nuclear fusion is going to be huge in the making. I mean, if they can continue to do this, then that means that there's a chance that you could have cheaper energy in the making. And it also means government agencies can't complain anymore about carbon dioxide being released into the air, especially if it's nuclear fusion. Okay. And if there is more investment going into it, that means you can potentially see oil companies or even big energy companies dump money into it as well as they'll want to be able to get on top of this before it becomes big, right? I mean, it's a big win for nuclear fusion at the end of the day. And it also means that, you know, it is something to continue to look into. The fact that you have you have uh, this in the making right now. Yeah, it says here, in recent years, private investors have almost pushed $5 billion into fusion startups as the increased urgency is addressing climate change and has made clean energy solutions particular achievement. Yeah, so this is becoming a thing. And nuclear fusion is in the making. And people need to realize what's coming because it could help in the long run with being able to solve our energy crisis that we might potentially have in the future. So it's a good day especially for this in the making. Hopefully we hear more about more exciting news in this in the making as energy continues to improve. Now onto the auto industry before we end with China. Electric Ford F-150 Lightning name Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Detroit, Michigan from CNBC. The electric Ford F-150 Lightning was named Motor Trend's 2023 Truck of the Year Tuesday, topping traditional pickups with international combustion engines from General Motors, Stellantis, and Toyota Motor. The prestigious title and accompanying Golden Caliper Award are highly sought by automaker globally every year. They are used to promote vehicles in advertising and viewed as third-party validation of a new vehicle. The F-150 Lightning is a pivotal product for both Ford Motor and the U.S. auto industry. It is the first mass-market electric pickup truck for mainstream buyers and widely viewed as a test of widespread EV adoption. The F-Series, which includes the electric and traditional version of the truck, has also been best-selling vehicle in the U.S. for four decades. Ford Motor Trend citing the Lightning overall performance, safety, and appeal to traditional pickup buyers are among the reasons for their recognition. While some vehicles change the world by being radically different, others, like the F-150 Lightning, change it by being different where it counts and familiar where it helps, Motor Trend said in a press release. This is the second consecutive year of an all-electric truck that has won the award following the Rivian R1T a year ago, but is also the first electric vehicle to receive unanimous support from the judges, Motor Trend said. Okay. Remember, I've mentioned this in past podcasts as well, and I advise going listen to this. Electric vehicles are going to be in some way in the future of people, whether we like it or not. Okay. In California, for instance, by 2030 or 2035, they're making it so that you have to have an electric vehicle. At least they will not make it that you still have electric vehicle. They're making it so you can't sell combustion engines in the state of California by 2030 or 2035. Same with New York. Okay. 
And obviously, I believe the UK was the other one as well. And I, I assume other states will soon follow suit. Okay, I'm still surprised that Illinois hasn't made the news on that as well. And maybe that is something we'll have to look into in the future. But electric vehicles are becoming a more of a thing. But that also means we need a higher grid. Maybe nuclear fusion is the answer that we need because we need a lot of energy if we're going to be plugging in our cars in the, in the future. So if any, uh, any politician out there would like to speak on uh, nuclear fusion now, that'd be great. In fact, probably the next time there's an election, that's something someone should ask when they say like, oh, we need to get rid of big oil. They can say, well, how do you feel about nuclear fusion? Because they're having a lot of positive results. Curious to know if any politician's been paying attention to that. So, but politicians probably have been paying it, will be paying attention to this. Okay. China brings WTO case against US as it's sweeping chip export curbs as tech tensions escalate. From CNBC, China initiated a dispute against the U.S. at the World Trade Organization over Washington's sweeping semiconductor export curbs that look to cut the world's second largest economy off from high-tech components. In October, the U.S. introduced rules and restricted chips made using American tools from being exported to China, as well as any semiconductor designed for artificial intelligence applications. The move has effectively kneecapped China's semiconductor industry. The Chinese Ministry of Commerce confirmed the trade dispute in a statement Monday and accused the U.S. of abusing export control measures and obstructing normal international trade in chips and other products. It said that the WTO dispute is a way to address China's concerns through legal means. Washington has maintained that its export restrictions are in the interest of national security. China's dispute on chips comes days after the WTO ruled that tariffs imposed by former President Donald Trump's steel and aluminum imports violated global trade rules. China was among the countries that brought actions against the U.S. Trade disputes via the WTO can take years to resolve. China has taken the steps toward, uh, correction, China has taken the step, the first step known as a request for consolidations. The WTO also has provisions in its rules that allow countries to impose restrictions in the interest of national security. This could make it difficult for China to win this particular dispute. Quote, if this response is to export export controls, it suggests that China has limited options. A chairperson of the high-tech geopolitical program at the, uh, I think it's Takashalia Takash Institution tweeted on Tuesday. I could be wrong on how that's pronounced. Continuing on, says, given that the WTO has also expectations for national security concerns, which can be defined broadly, it's unlikely to result in any policy changes. A spokesperson for the U.S. trade representative was not immediately available for comment when contacted by CNBC. But spokesperson Adam Hodge told Rutgers on Monday that the U.S. has received the request for consola uh, consultations from China in regarding to its semiconductor export restrictions. Okay, We are getting closer and closer to having nations soon forming alliances. Like I said, this is my opinion. This is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. But we are getting closer to potential treaties being signed based off semiconductors. Okay, We've talked about this in the past podcast that the alliances would be formed. Okay, Not many countries make the chips. Okay, You have China that makes them. You have Taiwan that makes them. South Korea, I believe, makes them. I think there's another Asian country. I can't remember which one it is at the end of the day. Then you have a couple in Europe. I think Germany is one of them. The Netherlands for sure is one of them because we've talked about it in another podcast and I advise listening about, listening to that one. In the Netherlands, they have a machine that actually makes the chips that the United States is trying to get out of China's hands at the end of the day. There is going to be a time soon where you're going to see 
partnerships formed, and it's going to be based off the semiconductor trade in the making, okay? Which means alliances will be formed to get those chips in, okay? What I personally believe, what is going to happen soon, potentially. I mean, the United States is trying to block the Netherlands from sending over that machine that, to make the semiconductor chips that they don't want China to have. Somehow China is going to get a hold of that. Somehow. I don't know how, but they will. Or maybe another country like maybe Saudi Arabia. Because remember, Saudi Arabia says that they're forming a pact with China currently to figure out how to handle oil prices to stabilize the oil markets in the making. Because China's economy is about ready to reopen up. So th this is going to sound far-fetched, but it's just a thought, okay? Remember, Saudi Arabia is trying to diversify its portfolio. And maybe that's the next thing Saudi Arabia does, potentially. Or maybe not, we, we don't even have to say Saudi Arabia. We can say any country that's aligned with China in some way, shape, or form, right? Obviously, it's not going to be Russia because there's a lot of trade restrictions right now. And there's no way that the Netherlands would sell this machine to Russia currently with the invasion of Ukraine. But just hear me out on this, okay? There's a chance that you could see that machine get sold to a Saudi Arabia or maybe even Iran or something like that, right? And then you're making chips in a whole other country, right? And then China can just buy all the chips they want. Or they can, that country buys the machine, which then they sell the machine to China. That, that's, a, that's another weird thought to have right there. I don't know how it's going to end up, but somehow China is going to end up getting these chips. I don't know how. I don't know how they're going to do it. Some way they're going to get it, whether it's buying the chips directly or whether it's somehow getting the machine to make the chips. There's a probability that this will happen. I don't know if this lawsuit will go through, okay? Because from what we've just read, it doesn't seem like it's going to be in their favor in any way, shape, or form. But in my opinion, China is going to figure out how to get those chips in the country. And things potentially could escalate. I don't know how the market's going to handle it. This is like some future thing we're looking at in the future in the making, okay? But if you ever hear anything going forward about chip manufacturing in China and that they're making these artificial intelligent chips, there's a chance that they're getting them from somewhere. Where, though, will be seen sometime later in the future. But it's just the thought we're currently having on this podcast because it's just the thought... It's not, we're not saying it's going to happen, but it is a thought currently right now because you just don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day. But like I've, like I have said, there will be alliances soon in the making because we've read about it on CNBC's news articles. And you can listen to our past podcast on that as well, because we covered it because we thought it was extremely important to talk about it this day or on that day that we recorded the podcast. Chips are becoming the new oil. I'll keep saying it over and over again. Chips are definitely becoming the new oil in the making. And alliances will be formed based off that. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't or willing to be able to talk about. I have some exciting news for my uh, fellow listeners who have been loyal to this podcast. We just crossed 5,000 downloads on this podcast. Never thought I hit this mile mark, but now we're on to our next goal. We want to be able to hopefully hit 6,000 by the end of this year. And so with that being said, we ask that you continue to share this podcast with friends or family so we can hit to 6,000 downloads, hopefully before the end of this year, and we'll be able to keep growing this podcast as this podcast is growing as we keep reporting the news as much as we can. So with that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.